This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is Stag Stories, the brand new podcast from Mansfield Matters, where we're joined by former faces from Mansfield Town's past to sit down and discuss all about their careers and, of course, their time at Mansfield Town. Each week we'll have a different set of stories for you and kicking things off for this brand new series we're sitting down with former Stags defender Martin Riley filmed at the Capo Lounge on Tuesday the 4th of June. Over the next few weeks we'll have plenty of different episodes for you. Not all of them unfortunately will be on video, some of them will just be on audio. There's a logistical reason for that, it's more to do with the amount of players we can get and of course when we can get them all got busy lives so sit back and enjoy the first episode of stag stories this is martin riley part one well it seems like a long time since we've been sat in the capo lounge in manfield it's the pro-season which means ultimately that me nathan Cameron, simon who's not here tonight aboard once again so what did we want to do we wanted to meet up with some ex-players and find out some Stags stories. Yes, this is our brand new series for the Mansfield Matters podcast, Stags Stories, where we'll be talking to ex-players, ex-managers, ex-coaches, that sort of thing. All have got a history of Mansfield Town, and we'll be finding out all about their Stags stories and their history of Mansfield Town and what stories they want to tell can recall from their time. Nathan, alongside myself and you tonight, we've got a six-foot-two defender who didn't just want one bite of the cherry, he wanted two. What do you remember about uh, this person's time, times for the stacks? Well, oh, you remind me of his height there, so obviously I can't see him, so now I know not to mess with him anyway. Uh, <laughs> but no, I knew, uh, obviously, back in the, uh, in the days, obviously starting off in the conference and then uh, obviously coming back for the second go when we was back in the league, and uh, it's one of those where sort of Mr. Reliable, one of the defenders that you know you want uh, want in the team because you know you can count on them to first of all put in 110% each game and, and second of all to, to have that rocking defence and uh, at those times in the season especially the second time round anyway when we came back into the league you know we we was never really going to be going for promotion but we need so what we need to do is make sure we were strong defensively um, you know, and to make sure we, we, we made sure we sort of built the right foundations when I was back in the league. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to hearing what he has to say. What, you, what in particular are you looking forward to finding out about? Because for me, 
It's always an interesting one when a player comes, has a great season, then departs elsewhere, and then a season later is back signing for a second time. Well, to me, when a player comes back, it means something stuck with them in that, that, that first period that they were with the club, which is you know, only, only a positive thing. So, you know, hopefully um, there's, there's plenty of stories to share there. Um, and just to sort of find out what Mansfield Town you know, means, to, means to Martin as a, as, a, as a player. For the first time this series, obviously we wanted to get all of us involved as ever. Simon can't be with us this week, unfortunately. He will be with us on future episodes, uh, as always. But when we do these series, we sort of put Cam in a corner and sort of isolate him a little bit and sort of put him out of the back of the room. But we decided this time around that we're not going to do that. Cut right now to Cam Cam. You're like, well, see what I did there? Terrible. I know. This is this gets worse from here, I promise. It gets worse from here. <laughs> Cam over in the corner. We wanted to include you on this one. Obviously, you're doing all the desks for us tonight and all the cameras. But we have stuck a camera on you if you don't break it. What do you remember about this man sat next to me? Be nice. Um, <laughs> He's in the corner, so he can't go anywhere. I suppose it's a bit like this season. That that heartache losing in the playoffs, and obviously being part of the team. First back, first season back in the league, um, that away win at Chesterfield, and mid-table finish. But it was still the team that brought us back into, well, brought us the first season in, back in the league. Be interested to see what he remembers about that because there was that season uh, which obviously ended in playoff party, and then we got promoted the year after. But you weren't part of that. Do you ever look back at that in, in your time and, and think, whilst you had a great time at Wrexham and won the FA Trophy in that season, do you ever think, I wish I might have seen that could stay and, and become a champion? Yeah, 100%, yeah. Um, but then I also look on the other side of it and, and that season that I was away, I played at Wembley twice with, with Wrexham um, and had a really good season with Wrexham as well, so... It's strange because you can look at a lot of things in football and say, I wish I should have done that, I wish I should have done that. But at the end of the day, you know, there's no point looking back and, and kind of regretting things. But yeah, part of me does obviously disappoint that I missed out on that promotion. But at the same time, I did have a really good season and, and, um, and there was a lot of plus points for me at, at Wrexham that year. And obviously last season you spent playing just down the road at Alfton. A little bit of a, a trek for you, which is why you, you've uh, moved to Hereford this time for, for the next season. But being so close to Mansfield, did you sort of keep half an eye on uh, on things that were going off? There were a few oh, yeah. Stags players in that dressing room at Alfton as well. Yeah, 100%. I always keep an, an eye on Stags, definitely. I mean, I've got still got a lot of friends here. Um, obviously, Demps has just taken over as, as manager as well, which is... Um, Obviously, massive. Uh, obviously, now Jamie Maguire, and, and uh, unfortunately, there's no no current playing staff um, that I played with. But I've still got a lot of friends in the town. Um, I've come up and seen a few of them today, so yeah, it's been been nice. When you saw that Dempster had been appointed as, as Stags manager, you were out of contract. We attempted <laughs> to pick up the phone and say, "Third spell." Um, not really. I, I, t I, t I gave him a text just to congratulate him um, obviously on his appointments and stuff which is which is a great opportunity for him um, but no no I don't think I don't think really what me jumping up two leagues again at 32 years old it's probably um, 
probably stuff for fairy tales really you are though looking as you say you are at that age so you are looking beyond the playing days and i know you're very keen to get into the into the coaching side of things as well we half tempted for a player coach um not at the moment no uh no i'm, I'm I'm still still playing at the moment. I'm concentrating on on playing. I am half looking at, at possibly going down the coaching route. Uh, it's something that I've not fully made my mind up on yet. But um, yeah, it's it's just great to see Demps involved. Really, obviously, he's done so well at, uh, at the academy job. It's just it's just a bit a bit of a breath of fresh air, really, to see someone promoted from from. Um, from his achievements and not just getting someone in the job that's been there and, and done it and failed, pro- probably failed at, at another club on the, on the merry-go-round in the, in the managerial circus. So, yeah, no, I'm happy to see him and I, I wish him all the best. Let's go back to the very start of your footballing career. Where did it all begin for Martin Riley? Uh, so we started at Wolves, my hometown team, 14, 15. I was a bit of a late developer, really, as far as the... Um, as the elite level goes yes I think it was 14 15 um, got scouted playing for my local district team Canakin district um, yeah got picked up got picked up for Wolves scouted for Wolves and then signed um, you know for, for youth youth level and then a year later I was I was signing my uh, YT forms at at Wolves and then two years in the youth team and signed a three-year pro uh, Glenn Hoddle was my first first manager gave me my first professional contract as an 18 year old as a three-year three-year contract as an 18 year old in your hometown team it was like you know what dreams are made of so yeah um, looking back now I spent three years you know in the in the background really at Wolves never really progressed into the first team um, looking back now, a little bit of a disappointment, but obviously as a young kid learning the trade, it's quite quite usual, you know, if you don't break through into the into the first team and you have to go and drop down and, and ply your trade at the lower levels, which is which is what I did. You ended up at Kidderminster and became a firm fans' favourite, and then moved on to Cheltenham. Why is it that everywhere that you've been? Whenever you've left, people have, have said, I'm disappointed to see him leave, and you've always become <laughs> an established fan's favourite. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure there's a few people that have been glad to see me leave as well, but um, I don't know. I just think it's the, the, the way that football is at the moment. I mean, you look down at the lower levels, it's all one-year contracts. I mean, since... Since I left Wolves, I think I've signed as a 21-year-old, 22-year-old. I think I've signed um, one two-year contract. You know, since I've left, it's 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 not only a merry-go-round for for managers. It's a, it's a merry-go-round for players as well. And it's it's no it's not a good thing um, by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, clubs are offering out one-year deals, which I'm not knocking not knocking them for. Um, but managers are changing teams every every season, every eighteen months. You know, the, the the lifespan for a manager now is, I think, it's about eight or nine months. It's it's ridiculous. So just you shows now, doesn't it? You finish fourth, you won, and you still still get sacked. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's ridiculous. So you know, it's a strange, strange game, and um, 
Yeah. Although there's, there's been times at teams where I would have wished I would have stayed. Um, there was also times in my career where I did choose to leave as well, so to, to go and better myself and, and play higher up and stuff. So it's a strange one. It is a, it is a very, very strange industry to be involved in. And, um, although there's a lot, of, a lot of plus points to it, there's also a lot of negatives as well. It's interesting how in a couple of months' time there's going to be a brand new podcast on the Mansfield Matters Network which is all about looking at mental health and that side of the game. It's an interesting point that you raise about the one-year deals. Do you find that there's a, perhaps a lack of stability for a, a young pro whereas somebody can go in and get a, basically a, a job for life at a firm whereas in football it, it's a one-year deal. You might be in Newcastle one season and down in Exeter the next season, yeah. having to move your whole life about. Is that a bit of a, does that play on, on your mind when um, you're picking your deals and picking your moves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be stupid to say that it, that it doesn't, yeah, of course. Um, whereas at the same time, you have got no job security. Maybe that, that pushes players to, to give a little bit more. Um, to earn a new contract I don't know that's obviously up to individuals and, and stuff like that but yeah I mean if you compare it to other industries and you know I don't I don't think there's many many out there that are offering one year contracts out to people and expecting them to to, to like really put the effort in and stuff but yeah let's go back to that summer you just left Cheltenham few fans were disappointed to see you go and then you end up at Mansfield how does the move to Mansfield come about? Um, Mickey Moore it was Mickey Moore knows the score yeah Mickey Moore knows the score he was um, he was the one that brought me in um, obviously Coxie was, was new to Mansfield um, he just appointed Mickey's assistant because they knew each other from the uh, from the Connie North so yeah, it was it was Mickey. It was, Mickey's a brummy, you know. I've, I was living in Birmingham at the time, and I think he had a few connections at Cheltenham and stuff. So yeah, it was it was all. Um, I, I believe that season, um, although Coxie was obviously the, the main man, there was a gaff at the time. Mickey um, had had a, a fair amount of input with some of the signings and stuff, and I think it's probably fair to say that I was one of Mickey's signings. Yeah. Do you find that interesting, Nate, listening to that? Because I think from a fan's perspective, you automatically assume a manager comes in and it's the manager who has the targets and it's not tasked to the assistant. Because we're almost a, a similar boat, aren't we now, in terms of Dempster coming in and having a lack of experience in the football league. Coxie came in, didn't really have experience at that level and Dempster's got that man underneath him in Lee Glover who's got that experience. Coxie had that with Mickey Moore. Is that a bit of an eye-opener for you? Um, don't laugh at the face. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. Well, I don't know in a way because I mean sometimes I mean when we reflect back on the season we've just had, um, you know, it's it, sometimes you don't know who necessarily makes the decisions. So we've had uh, situations when we talked about transfer windows, for example, and actually, um, you know, we the manager ultimately takes the blame for. Uh, people, you know, players that come in, especially if they don't work. Um, whereas sometimes, like, it's not that black and white in football, is it? You've you've got footballing directors, you've got chairmen who like to be involved. You know, I don't think ours does, but we know, you know other clubs that they do call the shots. 
assistance managers have the input, you've probably got the, the data analysts, scouts, so many different parties have an input in who who plays comes in and you know it's like I say it's just not black and white as in it's not always just the manager so it's interesting and um, sometimes you you think back to our past and some of them are you know the best signs we've had you sort of wonder where they, they actually came from so it's nice to sort of sort of learn further down the line when we speak to players like Martin like you know who sort of does deserve that credit. Let's cut to Cam Cam again um, what do you make of that because I think it's the same thing isn't it where Paul Cox comes in he's appointed as, as manager you look at him at assembling a squad and you don't necessarily think that it, it's going to be his number two that's looking for the targets do you I suppose when he initially came in you had everyone was sceptical the fact that it came from so low down obviously was it Eastwood before it came to us quite a low level not really obviously doing well for their level but not pulling up any trees in further up the league so Coxie might not have had the links uh, to know people obviously former county player so yeah. he, he might have known a couple of people but actually bringing players in he might not have known like agents to talk to to go to for this that and the other and obviously having the backroom support was fantastic and fair enough we didn't get it done in his first season we very nearly did but the second season we did and and even the third season keeping helping us build a team that kept us in the league it's all about the support and like you do get managers that will just come in and be like well I want to pick the team but sometimes you will get managers that will come in and just be told no you're doing this you're doing that and you've seen the amount of times uh, somewhere like Oldham for example this season when Paul Scholes left it will all came out about him not being in control it was the owner in, in charge of this that and the other have you ever come across that in any club at yeah. all? <laughs> yeah most of it it's um, obviously the football clubs are completely different from what you see on the outside to, to what you see on the inside. There's always so much going on that that you don't see from the outside, um, good and bad. So yeah, I mean, stuff like this happens all the time. Yeah, it's just, it's just the way it is. I think it's fair to say during your career on the pitch, when press officers are looking for people to promote kits and things like that you were always one of the names that were pulled out of the hat <laughs> you Paul Black Ryan Tapazoli every single season it seems we'll come on to those later on but there was a time where the boat race was messed up a little bit pre-season friendly away at Ilkeston you Richie Sutton and John Thompson what do you remember about that flipping out yeah don't hold back <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was, that was a bad day wasn't it yeah <laughs> I think Cox ended up walking us off the pitch yeah. again, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I've never had an, an experience like that in my life. Three players sent to hospital in one pre-season match was was just was just crazy. And I think Sutty was the first one. Yeah, wasn't it? I think it was Sutts then you, and then and then John. Time. John had the had the worst one out of the last, yeah. didn't he? Bless him. And it's not just I think injuries are going to happen wherever and maybe you know that amount of injuries could it's, it's rare but it could be but the fact it was the same player yeah. who stayed on the pitch even after the first one because yeah. the first one was if that was a league match that would have been a red card for the one on Sucks yeah 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 he, he was out to it was Ricketts wasn't it yeah it was he was out to hurt people for whatever reason he had one on him and he and, and he was I've, I've not seen many not played against many footballers in my whole career really that I've 
can say yeah he was out to hurt people that day but he was definitely out to to really hurt people and he did you know mine and Sutsi's injury you can injuries you, can, you take you take on the chin to a certain extent but um, obviously what happened to John was uh, was disgusting and ultimately probably I think he'd probably admit that as well that you know he'd probably finish his career yeah certainly would have had a massive impact yeah. on, his, on his approach to going up ahead in a ball especially near a touchline mm. I always remember commentating on that game and I was fortunate enough to be sat up in the corner and there was a, a pylon which blocked my view of the impact yeah but so I think if I'd have seen the impact John's? yeah John's yeah. one yeah and after the game and I remember walking down interviewing Mickey because Cox wouldn't come out he was so furious he wouldn't come out Mickey came out and did a bit and then I walked back towards the car and there was still the pool of blood on the side and I'm just thinking this is football that's yeah, just ridiculous yeah. and then and to see friendly, yeah and then to see the photos obviously on, on Twitter and things like that after mm. think you ended up with five stitches yeah I think it was five yeah something like that straight down straight down the front of my uh front of my forehead yeah it was probably probably the worst one I've had on my face you know, I've had a few nasty ones um, in other areas I had, a, I had a, a, a nasty one I think I had about seven in my in my shin a couple of years ago at Halifax um, but yeah that was the, that was the worst one I've had on my face yeah are we going to have to put danger signs when you walk out are you, <laughs> are you that injury prone well you I'm can't sue us by the way I'm a centre half aren't I so it partly comes with the territory you know you're expected to get to get um, bumps and bruises and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I've had that many scars on my face now, to be fair. My nose is is, is bent about three different paces. It's such used to call it the sweet potato. But, um, yeah, I was definitely better looking before I started football. Anyway. <laughs> and, of course, as horrible as those sort of injuries are in a pre-season game, in a way, did that sort of unite the team? Because I think there was a lot of because of what happened everyone sort of seemed to pull together and yeah, they got yeah. off to a, a better start than what people perhaps anticipated yeah, quite possibly yeah quite possibly I mean that was just the strangest strangest game I've never like I said I've never been involved with that in my life um, and Coxie did the right thing I think he pulled everyone off because other people probably would have got hurt as well yeah exactly and it's an interesting one with that because I always I always think back to Legends Live which was an event we held last uh, year at the, the Sandy Pate Bar where we had Adam Murray and Paul Cox back together yeah. um, they were telling a few stories and they always seem to be stories of a punch up and a brawl any in the Martin Riley storybook? Um, yeah yeah uh, obviously there was a few there was a few in the dressing room I, I do remember I do remember one with the Chesterfield lads in the changing rooms but in the tunnel um, after one of the games at Field Mill I think it was a, I think it was a cup game actually but yeah, there was one. There was one at our first year in Skegness, and we. I think it was pre-season, and we'd gone to Skegness for a little, little team bonding session. I think we might have played a game. Um, I think we had Boston on the Saturday. I think. Yeah, yeah, that that could have been the one. Yeah, um, and we've ended up, um, obviously in, in Skeggy, um, half cut too many too many points and ended up getting in a scuffle with some some lads outside a nightclub and uh, who's involved um, <laughs> I think it was me Suts John Thompson I can't remember how it started but Suts will tell the story and, and um, gotta get Suts on one of these 
I, I ended up trying to get involved into a bit of a um, bit of a scuffle and break it all up. <laughs> and such tells the story of, of a, someone coming out of, out of the shadows and throwing a ghost punch, smashing me right in, in, in my uh, right in my chin. So I've gone into like a bit of a crowded group to, to break it up and split it all up, and someone's just come out and just absolutely cracked me. <laughs> Rock my jaw. I think the physio was like sorting me out for like a few days afterwards, trying to straighten my jaw back up. All my jaw swelled up and everything. Um, yeah, and such was probably at the back, like throwing, throwing little shouts out. Nowhere to be seen when when it really hit the fan. Sums him up though, from there. <laughs> I always remember about that. When I first started getting into commentary and broadcasting, somebody said, "If you ever get invited on a night out with footballers." always say no and I thought well that never happened to me anyway I'm with the traffic lights driving home from uh, from the Boston game and who pulls up next to us Coxie winds the window down and says hey, where are you two going this is me and my dad he goes where are you two going we're going home we're going home Coxie he goes no 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 get yourself you're coming to skeg with us come out on night no we can't we can't we... and he was trying for for ages red lights had changed to green people's behind his piffing he's got his hat at window going I'm talking to these two but I had this I just I just thought oh. I'd love to I'd love to do it Coxie was in I got back to the um, we got back to the hotel and obviously we just had a big big fight and that and um, Coxie's I can remember him sitting there going you're right Riles yeah do you want to go back out and go and get him should we go back out and find him I was thinking, that's the manager, that's all. You can just imagine him saying <laughs> I like that. It's <laughs> great, isn't it? Oh, that's yeah, he wasn't scared of the tail, to be fair, Coxie. Was, there was a press conference two days later as well, back on the Monday. Fat lip, black eye. He definitely got involved, didn't he? He definitely got involved I in that. I can't comment on that. <laughs> I think we'll take that as a solid yes, mate, shall we? <laughs> oh, so, dear. Yeah. Moving on from pre-season, the season starts... We go on a bit of a relatively good run and you establish yourself in the side. When you're getting those, at what point in a season do you think this is going to be a good side that could go on to achieve something? We talk about the, f- the first the year. first yeah, season. Yeah. We'll look at the two and a half years look at the first season. Yeah, the, the first season was a bit strange for me. It was probably, I, I didn't really establish myself until probably before Christmas time. It took me, it took me a while to... Um, to buy into what Coxie was doing and what he wanted to do with the team and stuff, it was it was a lot different from the, my previous teams that I've been playing playing in before. And it and I'll be honest, it took it took me a, a while to adapt. Um, so I think I started off the season fairly well, and so we had some good results. And I, I came out of the team for a long time, and it, and it took me took me quite a while to to establish myself. And once I did um, get in the team. Um, I think I played every game from then till till the end of that season, which obviously we finished really strong and and going into the the playoffs at the at the end of that year. I think we were probably favourites really with our form to go on and win them. Obviously, it didn't um, it didn't pan out that way, but yeah. So it, it was it took me a while to establish myself that year, but when I did, um, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it and and. Um, we built what what Coxie did. He, he built. Um, I know he, he, you know he obviously he gets he gets a bit of stick for his, his style of football and stuff. But um, you know he, he always builds good team spirit around groups and um, he establishes a way that 
that he wants to play and if, if you don't buy into it you won't play and so he, he gets an 11 out onto the field every week that are buying into him and his ethos and his mentality and, and I think that, that's, that's why he was so successful did you find that difficult to accept at the start? I did a little bit, yes, because in, in my own head, um, I I wanted to play a bit differently. Um, so yeah, I think it was a bit of a, a bit of a struggle at, at the time. Um, but once I did buy into it and um, and, and buy into his way, um, like everyone, I think we all started to see the. Uh, you know the, the the success that that it brought. What differed for you? You said it, his style differed from previous clubs. How was it? What was it that that, that you um, found difficult? Probably to to simplify it quite a lot. It was I, I was used to playing a little bit more football, um, a little bit more football from the back. Um, yeah, just to to put it in real simple terms, that was that was that was it. You know, it, and it took it took me a while to to buy into that once you got yourself established and we went on that run we started breaking team records and things like that and you were always a consistent in, in that defence as, as you said who was your favourite to play alongside because your name was always on the team sheet but mm. your centre back partner would tend to change every every couple of games yeah. the big X so, so you would sometimes play full back as yeah, well yeah and Demps Demps was there as well wasn't he in the mm. first season he come on, was he on loan? Was he the first season? Yeah, I think we had him on, on loan for a little bit, and then yeah. Um, oh, that's a difficult question to be fair. Obviously, Tomo was there as well, but he was he was obviously struggling with his with his um, with his facial injury. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I probably we probably had our, our most success with me and X at the back that season. Um, I thought we complemented each other quite well. What did you make of him as a guy? I always remember doing work experience <laughs> at, at, at the club and everyone had, had, has this picture of Big X as this big unit who's got this really deep, gruff, yeah. like, big bully sort of voice. I always remember he came into the office once and there was this really sort of light knock on the door. I, didn't, I expected it to be some sort of cleaner. <laughs> Pops his own random dog, dreadlocks are there, and I'm like, oh, it's big X, right, X. And he goes, softest voice ever, can I have a word with the accounts manager? And he was just so softly yeah, yeah. spoken, I was like, wow. Yeah, probably like? Up, yeah, gentle giant, really, yeah. Yeah, nice kid. I haven't spoken to him for ages, actually, but he's a, he was a brummy lad as well, so, you know, we had a, we had a bit of a bond um, there straight away, really. And yeah. Of course, that weapon of his was the uh, the long throw. Yeah, and we, we worked it well that year, didn't we? Yeah, we got a lot of joy from that. I think we sort of averaged something like sort of eighteen long throws a game, and I really? think we ended up scoring like one in every two or having a chance one in every yeah. two, which was just ridiculous. And I, I guess when footballers come into that and say, right, we're gonna, was that the the game plan? Did the coach say, right, we've got this weapon, so that that's what we're gonna try and use and play for? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cox, Cox was all about the pressure play. You know, he wanted to put he wanted to put pressure on on the opposition at every opportunity. And, and, and long throws were part of that. You know, set pieces were a big, big part of our armory. Um, you know, we were always a big side. Um, so, 
naturally set pieces were always going to be a, a big weapon for us. I think in that season, Nate, the best memory for me in that is not getting to the playoffs and breaking all these records. It was the one game where we sort of clicked and said, we can actually do this. See if you can remember it. Fleetwood at home. The ringing bells? Not to me, no. We're 1-0 down. I think it's Jamie Vardy. Oh, I think it is now, actually. It gets to the 90th yep. minute. You remember, Cam? Exeter. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the place just goes fucking wild. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. insane. It was a great header, to be fair to him, yeah. So I think it wasn't only the fact that it was a, a, an injury time... Um, equaliser it was the fact that the team we was against obviously Fleet would have smashed us something like 5-0 in the FA Cup qualifier yeah. round earlier that season and they obviously were breaking records Vardy were free scoring they were doing this they were walking it with league and it was just that oh shit we can we can do this why, why, why can't we do this all season as a squad, when you've scored that late win, and obviously it's great for us as fans, that jubilation, it feels like a win. It must be the same in the dressing room, but when you're chasing the playoffs and you just got that result against the league leaders who are smashing people for fun, is that the moment where you go, fucking hell, boys, this, is, this actually could be our yeah, bit? Yeah, quite possibly, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the way we were feeling at that point in time, we, we could beat anyone. and. And uh, we did show against Fleetwood, you know, we more than matched them. We, we beat Wrexham that year, 2-0 at our place. Um, obviously, Wrexham ended up finishing on 98 points that year, and we beat them 2-0 at home. So, like I said to you before, I think there was a massive um, a massive feeling around our camp that year that we, that we were going to go and do something in the playoffs. But, like... I've, I've felt a few times it, it doesn't the playoffs don't always work out like that it's certainly a heartbreaking thing which is still raw from this season for us mm -hmm. let's talk about a bit more of a positive side you were always a rock at the heart of the defence at the other end you tried to chip in but then <laughs> it runs <laughs> and it was a, it, what a game to do it in as well 6-3 against Alfreton yeah I think I, I scored one I scored one it wasn't it debatable as, as well whether it was yours or not was it the Alfreton yeah, no debate. no well, not, not debatable to me, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I remember it clear as day. I chested it in, didn't I, from a from a long throw. Um, I think I think Rossi died. I might have flicked it on, and I ended up just like coming at me quite quick, and I ended up chesting it into the corner. So no, it definitely wasn't debatable. But I did score against uh, Rochdale in League Two. As yeah, well. when you when you in the league, uh, yeah. when we beat them 3-0. But yeah, goals. I'll be honest, goal scoring was never really my. Uh, my forte we had some class games in there because literally two or three days before the 6-3 of Ralphton 7-0 at home to Barrow that yeah, must have been yeah, crazy yeah. time that must have been weird for you as, as a defender to see that amount that's got to be a first hasn't that, it yeah it was a, a pleasure to be involved in to be honest I obviously yeah, can't I bet probably, out at one point against yeah, Barrow probably you? didn't have a lot to do yeah um, but that's the way we were rolling at the time it was um you know, we were going into every game every week, thinking that um, thinking that we were going to turn teams over. I do remember that point before the betting rules come in as well. I used to bet on us every single game. <laughs> How much did you make? <laughs> I did all right. I did all right. I used to bet. I used to stick a few hundred quid on us every game because um, we were we were winning every week, weren't we? So. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. it's a bit of a betting for us and not against us, isn't it? It's a different well, story. Well, there we go, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I've, I've I bet there was a few lads in that dressing room that bet against us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do, I do remember um, winning quite a bit of money in that season, especially on that run where we, we put that run together and 
and um, like I say, we were going into we're going into games every week thinking we're going to win, we're going to steamroll these teams, and nine times out of ten, the last half of the season we were doing that as well. So yeah, I thought I'd, I'd go down the bookies and make the most of it. Were you the only one in the dressing room? Or yeah. Were you lads having a flutter? I can't remember. I can't remember if anyone else was doing it. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I definitely did alright out of it then I mean it's a great incentive isn't it if you think about it obviously you can't do it these days but back then you can just imagine now you know one on one with, with Martin Riley he's thinking hey if I've got 100 quid on this I need to take him out so well yeah, I suppose it gave me more more of an uh, incentive <laughs> to go win the game as well didn't it do you know what, do you know what as well as the, the betting rules obviously have to be in place now but when you're at that level and if, if you're thinking alright sometimes it's fair to say there are players who don't give a toss about the, the club that they're playing for it's all about their personal gain if they're allowed to bet on a game and they've put money on you to win then that can only stand in your favour like now he says if you're sort of in the last minute and they, your legs have gone a little bit and they're one on one and you need to yeah. keep a clean sheet if that personal incentive is there in the back of your mind that might help as wrong yeah. as it is as morally wrong as it is possibly I mean like you say mate I, I don't know many footballers out there to be honest that that would um, are playing for for monetary purposes. Um, I think most most of footballers out there are out there because they, they want to win, not just not just for the the club and the managers and the teammates, but also, also personal pride as well. You know. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying there's there's definitely. I'm sure there's, there's there's players out there that that would do it for those reasons, yeah. A couple more things to touch upon before we wrap up this episode. We're going to bring part two to you next week because obviously we've got a player here who has now not one but two spells with the club, so we'll come to that in next week's episode. But last couple of uh, points on your first spell with us. Alan Marriott became famous that year and not for scoring that goal against Wrexham, for carrying off that ridiculous pink shirt where did that come from <laughs> I've got to, have to speak to the kit man about that Maze. yeah it was a bit rascal that wasn't it, it was brilliant. and obviously that game where he, he scores the goal was, he wearing, the, was he wearing the pink, wearing the pink shirt yeah well that'll go down I'm sure that's on YouTube won't it, it in, in, it his, in his pink uh, his pink top that was that was a, a moment that wasn't it did you ever think he had that in his locker did, did, did he try it in training or was it literally no, just the look of Look at the draw. Do you know what? I don't know. Were you playing in that? Yeah, yeah, I was playing it. I was against Wrexham, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think it was literally just because it was, I think it was something like a Friday night. It was on the telly. Yeah, I think it was really windy absolutely pissing it down. And you just think, if you get a ball that's hit right, it's going to happen at some point. I remember the opposition keeper was also quite suspect. Jocelyn, the whole game. Yeah. Maybe he had a five on Wrexham to lose. <laughs> maybe that's why he's still a little bit of Well, I played with Jocelyn, maybe. <laughs> the season, the season after, after, didn't I? Yeah. And he, was, um, he was a great keeper, but yeah, he, he, he was erratic. I mean, he had mm. some crazy, crazy uh, moments. And that, that was obviously one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Who was the craziest in the Stags dressing room the first time you were in the conference days? <laughs> Who did you look at and think, he's, he's just wrong? Um. It's a good question, that is. Yeah, I'm not sure it's anyone's uh, anyone's proper springing to mind. It was Gary Roberts in our first year? Yep. No, <laughs> Gary Roberts. Was oh, Gary Roberts was there? Year? 
No, it was, wasn't it? Was, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was sent off about two games yeah. in a row, I think. Yeah, 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 Gary Robertson. It has to be Gary Robertson, yeah. Just uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember him, Gary Roberts, after we played. Uh, I want to say Ebbsfleet away. I think it was. Ebbsfleet away, and it's that decrooked main stand and the buses at the end. And I'm packing all my gear up and walking back to the car, and he's just there with fag on after. <laughs> You're not seeing gaff on you. I'm not going to do his accent because I'm quite scared of him. <laughs> you know, he's not seeing gaff on you. No, 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 you're fine. He takes a massive drag and then just flicks it out. Yeah, yeah. No, he sparked, sparked one up on the team bus as well before. <laughs> yeah, and Coxie was fuming, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that got him in a, a bit of trouble, I think. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he was, yeah, he was a, a crazy, crazy character. Yeah. Let's talk about the end of that first spell. We get into the playoffs. It's been an absolutely phenomenal run towards the back end of the season. We do relatively well at York, but we get that early goal. Uh, comes from Dyer again. Big X's long throw gets it. Then Matt Green gets sent off. Do you think yeah. we can still do it, or do you think that's us done? Because Matt Green that season, to be fair, he was a talisman. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean. That was uh, it was obviously a massive blow for us, wasn't it? I think I ended up going off after about twenty minutes in that game with a hamstring injury as well. Um, so that was a that was a a bit of a, a blow for us, and obviously that hurt us massively going into the second round. But I remember um, I remember uh, after tw- obviously after twenty minutes that game, I did my hamstring. Paul hamstring and um, I, ended, I had to come off ended up coming round sitting in the stand um, so I got showered sat in the stand with Greeny's brother Jake who was with Mansfield at the time and um, sort of playing re- with the resis wasn't he yeah yeah he was playing with the resis and, uh, and we were sat in the stand watching the game and as Greeny's been sent off his, his, his younger brother Jake's stood up and he's he's like in frustration he's thrown his coffee down down at the steps and um, I didn't see it at the time but it's gone all over some fans some, some of the York fans and we've ended up having a big big row in the in the stadium in the stand and Greeny's been sent off and it's got a little bit heated I'm obviously fuming because I've just been injured in the semi-finals at, um, at York and um, we're nearly fighting with these with these fans in the, in the crowd, and uh, some obviously it's all kicked off. It's settled down a little bit, but some of the York fans must have, have said, you know, pointed to me that he's causing trouble up there. Um, we really, I was just sticking up for for Jake. Um, I didn't know that it, it's like splash coffee over some fans, etc. Um, so I was sticking up for for Greeny's younger brother. And uh, anyway, the stewards have come over and, and uh, they've given it one of those ones like, listen, can you come and have a, a, a chat with uh, with me around the corner? So I've gone, yeah, all right then. So I've got around the corner and the stewards tried to like usher me out of the ground. So he's trying to usher me through this like doorway in the ground to, to get me out of the ground. And I've, I thought, no, no, I'm not going anywhere here. So I've put my hands up against, the, <laughs> up, up against this wall. <laughs> I've got my hands and my feet up against this wall and this steward's trying to like usher me out of the ground. <laughs> Before you know it, there's another steward coming over. He's trying to get me out as well. I'm going, no, I ain't going anywhere here. What are you doing? I'm staying here. Before you know it, there's about three or four stewards all wrestling me out of the ground. Well, Car- 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 Carolyn's up in the... Um, up in the 
the director's box. She was sat two rows behind where I was commentating from. Yeah, and she's seeing all this kerfuffle um, uh, going on, bless her, and she's come down and and uh, eventually they've, they've kicked me out of the ground and, and uh, I'm like fuming. And Carolyn's come down and, and uh, you know, tried to tried to help help me out and, and sort it out and stuff. Um, but yeah, that was another... another strange story from that day and they say it's the fans which caused the trouble I don't remember <laughs> any of that from now on did you ever get back in the end then or not I didn't get back in no. that day no no <laughs> was you never surprised to get an offer from York after that bit imagine, imagine <laughs> signing for York and then going up to that student saying no oh, you can't come in yeah, mate well yeah, yeah. you're fine mate I've just signed that's true <laughs> oh, I don't think those fans would have been coming for an autograph anyway absolutely <laughs> not absolutely crazy <laughs> then the game after um, obviously playoff second leg lost pretty much in the last minute of extra time Suts gets sent off what's the mood like do you know you're going at this point or no no not at all no no we we hadn't um, we hadn't discussed contracts at all uh, it's pretty it's very rare I mean it does happen but the, most of the time contracts are, are kind of sorted at the end of the season Especially when you you know you're going for promotion, and you don't know what league's going to be and stuff. So, no, no, be, you know, maybe a couple of players probably knew where they stood with contracts-wise and that. But I'd say 90% of that squad um, would didn't know where they were going to be next year. They were playing for contracts as well. So, um, no, no, um, I didn't have a clue where I was going to be. And that's where we're going to leave it for part one because that's the end of your first part of your time at the Stags. We'll jump forward a season and then go back to Mansfield being in the Football League and you returning to the One Course Stadium. But for those who are listening, for those who are watching, you're going to have to wait a whole week to find out those stories uh, as we continue with our episode of Stag Stories. I've been Craig Fries alongside me. It's been Nathan Edge behind the camera and on Cam Cam. Give it a wave. Uh, has been Cam Felton, Martin Riley's been our guest and he'll be back with us next week for the second part of Stag Stories with Martin Riley from the Capo Lounge. Coming up next week on Stag Stories. They, they had JJ standing there, hosing them down with cold water. So, so they know what was waiting they for them outside. They knew what was coming, yeah, yeah, because I was banging on the door saying, right, you get out of here now, you little shits. <laughs> You're having it. You eat our food one more time before you're told to. You're having it. So there's obviously about 20 of them in there. I'm banging down the door like, yeah, I'm here, you little shit. You're having it. And then none of them are moving. Who goes in and rubs them out? They're all sitting there, absolutely shitting. So you've got the lads banging down the door, going, all right, get in. Yeah, so one, I always remember one of the questions um, was, what year, I say again, in what year did the Titanic sink? And I actually knew the answer to the question. And uh, it was 1912. I'll try and test cameras for what you said. But Ollie Palmer jumped up and he's gone, whoa, 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 whoa. So this could be a quick tre- a trick question. He said, because it could have sank in one year, but hit the bottom in another. <laughs> <laughs> and, me, and me and the lads are just looking at it and feel like, where do we get this kid from?
If you've enjoyed the show, make sure you give it a like and make sure you hit that share button as well. You can catch up with all of our past stag stories by visiting our website www.mtfcmatters.co.uk and follow us on social media as well, Facebook and Twitter forward slash mtfcmatters. This is the show for the fans, by the fans. Why? Because Mansfield matters. We'll see you at the same time next week for more stag stories. Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.